So good evening everyone in the room and on Zoom. I'd like to say a few words tonight about uh, koan practice. Uh, as many of you would know, um, koan practice is something that's rather, I think, unique to Zen as a spiritual tradition. I really know that it's, um, it, it may in some ways um, be there in other traditions, but there's a vast literature and practice around it in Zen. And uh, I, I don't want to be um, too precise in um, trying to define koans because that's very scientific. Um, and we're talking about metaphors here. But um, Robert Aitken Roshi, one of my teachers, um, described a koan as a matter to be made clear. That's a pretty good way of describing it. And if you look at, to give you another idea of the flavour of it, um, the word ko and an, the, that makes up the word koan, um, ko is often um, translated as the absolute and an is the relative, so it's kind of like the presentation of the absolute and relative. It's also been described in many books as being like um, a case, they're referred to as cases, um, and a case in the sense of a, a legal case like where, you know, like in law, you get a, um, a legal case of Roe versus Roe or something that becomes a baseline for other cases to be measured against. Well, it has that sense about it as well. There's been a, a dialogue or a, a question, you know, or a story, um, which is part of Zen folklore and um, being able to, to understand that, you know, and have some insight into that and express it is recognising that if You've, 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 you've touched that baseline of insight. So the nature of koan study, it's, it's not instead of meditation, they go together. And uh, the Soto school is not particularly big on koan study, it's the Rinzai school, uh, which emphasises koan study. And just the background to our school is... Um, it's an integration of Soto and Rinzai traditions, so the, the Kaohan study practice comes down through my teachers, Robert Aitken and Joko. Um, I, I studied it myself, I think, for about 15 years, tortured myself with it <laughs> and enjoyed it for, and loved it for 15 years. Um, so, Kaohans are the folklore of Zen. They're often stories, their dialogues, um, they appear to be paradoxical statements, right? sometimes they're jokes, um, there's a lot of humour in it, but this is a, they emphasise what the actual teaching method of Zen is, because a lot of, a lot of Buddhist teaching in other traditions is what you would call discursive like you use logic and reasoning to kind of explain things and so on. And, and Zen is, is non-discursive. In other words, it's looking to develop an intuitive wisdom um, about the manifestation of, of Dharma in practice and in your life. And so it's about not getting caught up in concepts and so on and representations of life and analysing concepts all of that's very foreign to Zen. And so the koan system is kind of like 
it's a way of using concepts to destroy concepts, if I can put it that way. Like you have, we have all these ideas that we learn from Buddhism about the absolute and the relative and emptiness and form and etc. etc. Um, but that's not lived experience. That's, that's just a conceptualization of it. And people often get into a, a delusional, I'll say, a kind of intellectual delusion. It's because they've studied Buddhism and they understand it philosophically and they can quote things philosophically and so on. They think that's what understanding Buddhism is. It's not. It's a lived experience. It's an intuitive lived experience. So when you practice koans, and koans are not everyone's cup of tea, um, and there's no compulsion you have to do koan study in this school, um, but I encourage some people to do it as a way of deepening your practice. Kind of works in in two ways. In one way, when you're given a koan and you're stuck with the koan and you can't give a response to it, it's really showing you that you're stuck in your conceptual, intellectual, left hemisphere brain. Uh-huh. And so it's good to know that. It's good to know that you, you, you're stuck there and you didn't realise it. And if you stay stuck long enough, then it'll start to dissolve. Mm-hmm. What it's also showing, which is what the experience of, of most people is, which is another form of delusion that that Zen and Buddhism is challenging all the time, is that we experience ourselves as being like an observer of life, like we're out on the outside looking into life. And that's really just a... That's part of our ego identity, that we we identify with this witness that kind of observes life. But Zen is about intimacy with life. It's like it's being in the process of living. It's not being outside the process, commenting on it or observing it. You're in the stream. You're always in the stream of life. You're never out of it. But we abstract ourselves out of it, you know, and then then we're disconnected. So calm practice is a way of getting us to see that we're still disconnected and in that delusion. And And at the same time, it's a way of breaking down that conceptual prison that we're in so that we actually do become part of the stream of life. We're living it from the inside rather than living it from the outside. And when you start to really live life from the outside, from the inside, through years of meditation practice, you know, being embodied, being in the moment, being with the flow of experience, not trying to escape into somewhere else, um, when when you just drop into your lived experience, then the responses to koans come much more easily. Mm-hmm. And we often refer to um, uh, half amusingly, but but correctly, as um, the koan study is dharma show and tell. Uh, so it's it's playful, and there's a playful quality to it. And you either show a response, like you demonstrate a response, like you do in show and tell, um, maybe role playing something or whatever, or you might use words to describe something that you're trying to describe. It, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. But it's got that playful kind.
kind of quality to it. And when you when you get in touch with that playful quality, that's when you start to move through the kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, many people, not just myself, but many people have referred to uh, Cohen's as being like jokes. Some of them are jokes, but they're, but they're like jokes in the sense that if someone tells you a joke and you just get it, it, it sort of bypasses all the, all the rational thinking process and you just get it. You just intuitively get it. Mm-hmm. And if someone was to say, oh, I don't get it, can you explain it to me? And you give them an explanation. Well, the explanation's not funny, is it? <laughs> it goes over like a lead balloon. You know? um, well, koans are like that. It's like you just intuitively get it from the inside. And, and it's, not, it's not necessarily... It's not logical. It's not at that level. Intuitiveness is the best word I can use to describe. It's kind of like you just kind of know that's the response and there's a playful quality to it. And um, so it's a, it's a wonderful, um, unique practice. And having gone through it myself, um, like I, I mean, I know what it's like. There was a lot of um, struggle that I had with it in the beginning Um, and uh, I sat with Mu with my um, first Japanese Zen teacher, Kabori Roshi, for some time and and then I sat with Robert Aiken for some time before there was a little breakthrough and then it came came much easier after that. Um, But I was someone who... Um, tried too hard uh, and and it was kind of through trying too hard which is not being playful you know, when you're trying too hard and it got in the way and it was it was only sort of as I matured through the practice that I realized that this is kind of just fun really it's a it's an expression of, of fun and playfulness and when once I got the spirit of that I stopped trying so hard, you know, and then it, then there was sort of kind of more effortlessness in the experience. Um, but the most important thing I can say here, whether you do koan study or not, the practice of Zen is to be um, fully embodied in your life and in your environment. You're in the stream. You're flowing with the stream. You're not outside commenting on the stream. Buddhist scholars do that. We're not. We're not aiming to be Buddhist scholars here, uh-huh. because it just keeps you up here in the pumpkin up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's getting out of that experience into a non-conceptual, direct experience of life, and it's an experience of great intimacy with life. Right? Um, once you connect with that, um, then your life transforms. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a matter of saying, oh yeah, Zen is about being in the present moment. We all know that. Um, it's the difference between saying that intellectually and living it every day. 